0: Hello everyone, this is Hector Vega, and you're listening to the Atomic
1: Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show,
0: Efren Guzman.
1: Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman. My guest today, he's a pastor, and he's also an author. He also wrote the book Arrested by Grace, the true story of death and resurrection from the streets of New York City. Pastor Hector Vega. Hector, how are you today in PR? I'm good, and I'm good. Thank you
0: so much. I'm blessed. Highly
1: favored. Yes.
0: The
1: weather is good and uh, yeah awesome oh Thank man well first of all congratulations on your book it's out there and um, promote your book On where can people find it if they want to pick it up well um, we, we uh, if you want to
0: get uh, our book you can get it at uh, our website called east Abilance fellowship.org at east fellowship.org and on the media page you'll find the Arrested by Grace uh, if you want or you want uh people buying uh you know a bigger portion uh and so you can get that but you can also get it at Amazon or DeNovo, uh Bam or, you know, other other different places you can get it as well. It's also available on Kindle and uh and other things like
1: that. Oh, so this book really does you know, I have to, I have to start reading this. I just got it yesterday, but this book really delves into like if people want to really get to know the man Hector Vega, the man behind, you know, the whole the, be, be, you know, to know the early Hector Vega before he was the pastor, this de- definitely goes into your early childhood life and everything, right? It goes really deep in? Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, I've been, uh, been serving God now for uh, 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 a little bit over 25 years when he first found me, uh, and uh, it, it kind of goes into details of... of not just uh, my life with Christ, but obviously before Christ, which uh, just had a lot of ups and downs, uh, you know, 10 years of my life uh, going in and out of prison. Uh, and, and then, more importantly, uh, the title of the book is called Arrested My Greece. And, and that's really that's really the, the, the gist of the whole story, because even while I didn't know God, um, because my family was not religious, In any way, even while I didn't know him, he knew me and he was pursuing me. And then once I got touched by the hand of God, it was the grace of God that continued to drive me forward. Uh, And and just in the favor of him all through my life. And, you know, I started getting jobs and all these other things that that came after it. So it's it's just a journey of what God has done uh, in my life, in my family, my wife, uh, and more importantly, in ministry. Because, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you'll hear people's testimony, and I, I don't want to—I don't want to sound like I'm belittling belittling this, but usually people will talk about a testimony that happened 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But but this story, this story, arrested by grace is really the journey with with, with God and me uh, since He touched my life. And, and it's because it's been a continuous thing that God has been doing, and so you know, uh, so that, that, that's really it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm.
2: That. oh
1: how about how about um your your family like your mom and dad are are there are there christians as well or they're still not in the faith or you yeah, know you know my, my family
0: um uh, has uh my, my dad my mom my sisters my brothers they've all come to uh different church services that i've had and they have responded to uh to to the call to faith and uh to surrender their lives to christ and his salvation uh they are not, um, they're not walking with God the way I would like them to walk with God. And, and you know, uh, in terms of uh, uh, what some people might say, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, walking, they're not on my conscience and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they, they, are, they, are, they have seen what God has done in my life. And I believe wholeheartedly that
2: God has already touched them and, and the process has begun. be yeah. uh, So, yeah, yeah. my kids. I got, I got four kids. My oldest is Nicholas, at 25 years old. My little son Josiah was 12. My youngest son Seth
0: is 19. Um, And then we got a little daughter named Skylar, who's four years old. And uh, they all have, uh, you know, they all have an understanding of who God is, and and uh, they're they're on a journey as well. Uh, So you know, we're just so blessed.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's got to be hard being kids and your dad is a pastor. Do they have to deal with a lot of I- issues or, like, kids, like, I don't know, teasing them or whatever, or whatever? Oh, your dad's a pastor, blah, 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 or no? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It is. Uh, you know, when I first got called uh, the pastor, uh, it was it was really a difficult. I didn't require him as a pastor. I mean, I got, I got, a,
0: request, I got a, a, a request to come to a meeting. And, uh, because I didn't, I didn't submit an application, a resume, I didn't go to a seminary. But, uh, you know, when I got called to be a pastor, uh, it was a presentation from my leadership, my pastor, And, uh, anyway, long story short, I told them that I had to meet with my family and my wife before I could accept this, this, uh, this role. And, uh, when I went home that night, I had a family meeting. <laughs> and, uh, I presented this to my family and, one of my sons, uh, you know, jumped up and said, Dad, don't do it. I don't want to be a pastor's kid. I don't want to be a pastor's kid. Uh, my, one of my other sons, Dad, do it. And then the other one said, I don't know what you want to do, do whatever you want to do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there was there was, uh, but there was, was but definitely a pressure. Uh, and then going from a big church to a small church. So there was this pressure of, you know, PKK. You know, you expect it to... To walk a certain way, to be a certain way, and uh, I think I think that's actually uh, that's uh, that's a sad statement on the church that you know we we hold pastor kids and their wives or their husbands uh, to a different standard than we do everybody else, right? Yeah. And, uh, I think I think that's uh, that's a challenge, unfortunately. But you know, thank God with our church, uh, they've been such a blessing, and they've treated my family with the utmost. Uh, respect with the utmost of
1: love and uh it's been a blessing. Yeah. I've say you know what it is, It's like uh um from my experience going to like different churches in the city, pastor kids are look looked at with, with a microscope because, like, oh, your dad's a pastor, so you got to be an extra good kid, you know, and then sometimes they can be a little rambunctious and, you know, do little things, and then, you know, they always, they're always getting put under the microscope because they're always going to be compared to you, and, you know, they're like a reflection of you. So, like, you know, kids, I think kids have an abundance of pressure being like the pastor's kid, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's interesting
0: because uh, the pressure on my kids actually came from me. Oh. Uh and not and, and you know, and I say that uh with a pinch of sadness because um you know, I when I first came to the to, to walk with Christ, you know, I was so bad and, and doing the things that I did and causing so much pain that um when I got saved it was as if I went on the opposite extreme and I was trying to be so perfect and so good, uh, that, you know, it it, it almost in some ways I became a Pharisee yeah. right and uh, you know there was there was this strict disciplinary in in me uh, because just some of the things that I had gone through but also when I wanted to do the right thing I, I just felt that it had to it, I, so I put pressure unwanted mm-hmm. pressure undue pressure on my kid that you know um, in some way you know God has spared us from but in some ways we're also unraveling mm-hmm. but um, I think The other thing I I tried to share with my church was that you know if we if we are type of church that accepts the unbeliever and the and and those that are coming in no matter how they look because that's what Jesus would do then we got to do the same for my kids and anybody else that comes in here and so uh, so we've been blessed Uh, again my church has been such a
1: yeah you know church welcomes everybody, even like the church I go to. You have every walk of life that comes in um How does the church react to like you know gays coming in and and people of all walk of lives you accept everyone right, just like everyone would well you know um we don't categorize uh
0: gays this or that we 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 look at it from the prism of what the Bible says, you know, mm-hmm. we're all sinners saved by grace. And so uh we are mindful that when Jesus found us,
1: yeah, uh, we were at our worst. And so
0: uh we we, we we do love people, we do accept them as they are, uh but 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 I wanna make this statement because I think it's important, which is to say that Jesus accepts us the way we are.
2: Mm-hmm but when we come in
0: contact with Christ, we don't stay the way we are, mm-hmm. and and so He begins to He begins to unravel uh, some of the things that we've wrapped ourselves in because we, you know, most of us uh, are trying to um, shield ourselves, cover ourselves, cover our failures, our flaws, and we're, it's almost like we're hiding behind leaves, like back in the Garden of Eden, where they, they, they were so ashamed they were hiding themselves so today that that hiding takes the the uh the emphasis around academics or you know business success or this or that but the reality is that when we come in contact with christ he, he begins to fill the gaps and you know he begins to show us what our true identity is and what our what our purpose is and what our calling is and so you can't there's no way you can stay the same when
2: you've had an encounter with christ that's my point Okay,
1: um, I know um East Harlem Fellowship is growing and you're expanding as well. Um, is it difficult to be everywhere at once? Not not that you're everywhere at once right now, but I'm saying like you know um upstarting a church and, and and different things you're involved in. Is it kind of hard for you at this moment, or it's it's you're you're working the flow basically? You no, know, you know
0: I'll be I'll be honest with you. It's it's always a challenge for me for a number of reasons. First first off is there's the spiritual challenge, which is there's this. Um, obviously, there's this uh, spiritual pressure uh, because of uh, we're dealing with people and dealing with people's lives and and all that comes with that. You know, there is uh, there is a certain opposition that we have to deal with. Uh, but then, but then there is the uh, the pressure of uh, not only trying to lead a church, but also uh, you receive, you know. What we'll call vision, you you have a vision for something that's a little bit more broad and, and 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 expansive in terms of what you believe God is asking you to do, and so there's that pressure, right? There's that pressure to try to uh, to follow through with what you feel you're being called to do, and uh, and then there's the pressure of who I am and what I'm I'm the way I'm wired, which is you know I I have a difficulty in staying still, <laughs> so um. <laughs> God has been teaching me now over the last couple of years that it's okay that it's okay to limp, if you will. In other words, um, you know, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day He rested, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm starting to understand that rest, uh, in a spiritual term, means that I'm, I've, I've come to a place once a week uh um, where I trust that God I've done everything that I can do
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: the rest is up to you. The rest is up to you. So it's not this religious thing where I'm off every Saturday and I don't so no, I don't turn out the lights or this or that, but it's more about I'm trusting that the God who created the heavens and the earth can control what needs to happen and he doesn't need my help. Mm-hmm. And so uh I'm still busy but I'm busy in a different way now. And so uh so more than anything i just gotta balance vision and sometimes vision is for for in the future and sometimes it's right now right so i just gotta weed through uh the right now and what what's not yet Mm
2: -hmm. if
0: if that makes sense yeah so that pressure that tension uh but you know it there's nothing i'll tell you this as challenging as it is to lead a church and, 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 lead a family at the same time. uh, I'd rather do nothing else, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself doing anything else,
1: because this is what God has asked me to do, yeah. uh, and so, yeah. Wow, um, how big is your congregation, is it huge, or you have a lot of, like, is it like, no, 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 no not at all, not at all, yeah.
0: we, we are a small congregation, you know, we're about, uh, 80 to 100, if you will, uh, and, you know, that number fluctuates, Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we go up to the 120 or so, and we, then we'll scale back. But you know, we we serve in New York, so that's, New York is a very transitional community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and unfortunately, church in some ways has also become a consumer a consumer driven thing as well. So you know, people can go down the block and go somewhere else, um, and, and because we're living in a consumer culture, um, um, people lack commitment like they used to have way back when, you know, this is no longer, and sometimes that, that's, you know, that's because they just don't, they just don't want to commit, and sometimes they, you know, they'll, they'll go somewhere else because they feel like they want, they want a different, different kind of church, so that's okay, that's, that's fine, as long as they're serving God, that's okay, uh, but we're a small church, and, and I, I'm actually, I believe that that's the way God would have it, um, I think, it's very hard to just leave 1,000 people, yeah. you know, or 15,000 people or 5,000 people and, and really get to know who they are and really understand mm-hmm. the challenges that they're going through. And so I think church has been, churches is designed to be on a smaller scale. Uh, and, and when you look at the Bible and the New Testament, that's the way they did it. Small homes, small groups. Yeah. And so, uh, you know. Nothing to take away from the big churches. Some big churches are doing really well, and God is using them, just yeah. like
1: he's using some of the smaller churches, if you will. So. Yeah. Especially, like, speaking of big churches, Times Square Church, it's, it's, it's like a mega church. It's a big church. And I used to go there when I lived in New York City a lot. And, you know, talking about people, you know—that you know, that sometimes you don't get noticed. Like, a church like that is really, like, if you're not really involved... You know, in singing or whatnot, it's definitely hard to get noticed there. Um, and they noticed you over there. Um, how did you get affiliated with Times Square Church as well? Or did they read your book and then they invited you over? How did that come about? No, 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 no. My,
0: my book just came out. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't like I wrote that, you know, I just wrote that uh, recently as a result of, uh, you know, just the nudges from from, from the Lord in terms yeah. of, you know, putting, putting the story out there
2: opioid crisis, the prisons, and all this other stuff. But,
0: mm-hmm. um, I, I started coming to Times Square Church, actually, when I was still using drugs, and I would pop in from time to time, because it was in my neighborhood, and so oh, I grew okay. up in Hell's Kitchen, which is around Times which is where Times Square Church is, gotcha, and okay. that neighborhood was not what it is today, but anyway, um, I started uh, reading uh, Pastor Dave's Cross and the Switchblade. in in one of my jail stints and and realized this church was in the neighborhood that's how i started going and then my my, uh my wife uh when we first started dating she was my girlfriend and she had a sister that was part of Times square church's choir so um so we you know we would pop in and you know it was interesting I, i remember once going to uh times square and i had an open case uh an open drug case that you know, I was in trouble for, and I remember hearing Pastor Dave preach, and, uh, feeling like this, this man sounds like he knows God, and maybe if he prays for me, uh, maybe this case will go away, you know, maybe the judge will let me go free,
2: yeah. and so
0: I went back there to, to seek him out, to, to get prayed for, and, uh, Pastor Dave was, uh, he was a unique man of God, and, uh, uh, he, he said, uh, Son, are you looking with Jesus with all your heart? And I said, No, I I came up here so that you can pray for me, so that I can get this case over. And he said, Well, uh, if you're not if you're not looking for Jesus with all your heart, I'm not gonna pray for you in that case. I'm gonna pray that God gets a hold of your heart.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh I, I remember leaving that uh, that encounter or that exchange, thinking to myself, what kind of church is this? They don't even pray for you here. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. But it was because I was coming up there with the wrong kind of motive, looking at it like if he was like a witch stop, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, anyway, long story short, that 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 exchange marked me because uh, you know he did pray that God gets a hold of my heart, and God did get a hold of my heart, you know. And and the rest is history. I started serving there as a as a high school uh, worker and then I started uh, uh serving in the prison ministry and the homeless ministry and uh, a bunch of international mission trips. So I was I was there for many years before um you know I, I, I started to get asked to the, the lead missions trips or what have you. So I wasn't really part of the leadership up there. Oh, okay. You know, I was a member of the pews but I was involved in some of the ministry. So, you know, um uh, but then, you know, in two thousand and nine I got a call to to lead a church to replace a pastor that was leaving. And uh so that was uh almost uh almost twenty years um uh, you know that I had already been serving at Flash Church before
2: they called me. Yeah. You know, if you will. Oh wow.
0: So
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh that's amazing Hector. Um also, yeah. Yeah, also like um if you wasn't like right now um what do you suppose you would be doing right now if you couldn't minister? Like what would you be doing right now?
0: Well, look. I, I will show you this. If it wasn't for Jesus, I don't, I don't think I would be here today. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for how God got a hold of my life, I honestly, I don't know what I would be doing. Um. If I wasn't pastoring, um. Uh, I, I, I was, in, I was involved in an insurance company as a director of the claims operations for many years. Oh wow. Um, and that was, and so God did some miraculous things in my life in the corporate world even even though I have uh uh you know more than three felonies on my record and I have a uh an arrest record that is just expansive God was able to open a door and give me favor where you know it not existed if you will. i mean i couldn't I couldn't even get a job at McDonald's but uh you know God saw fit to give me favor and uh so I did I did some stuff in the corporate world that, you know, was all God and how he trained me and taught me what I was doing and and favor with my bosses. And then uh after that I started to do uh once I got laid off from my job after uh gosh, after about seventeen years, uh I get hired I got hired to lead a homeless shelter uh in Newark, New Jersey called the World Rescue Mission and uh I became the executive director and CEO there, and that that was a really a, a great job in the sense that it was working for for God. It was working with people that I could relate to because of where I was, uh, but it also had an element of real estate. It had an element of community work. It had an element of uh, just the ability to do a lot of different things. So I would say um, that that would probably be something like that. Um, either that or working with like ex-offenders and juvenile youth that are, you know, preventing them from going into the system, but working with men and women that are coming out, uh, and trying to get them vocational training. So I, I would say that's, that's probably what I would be doing at this point if, if I wasn't pastoring. Mm.
1: Speaking about the system, you was in the system and, you know, you was in jail. Um, how do the people get treated there because you know you hear a lot of different stories you hear horror stories like how did you get treated there was you treated fairly was you treated moderately well like how was you treated there well
0: there's a, there's a big, there's a big uh, conversation right now happening in, the, in our in our country about criminal justice reform and what I will tell you is that 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 conversation is 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 currently I, I would say it is currently dominated by one viewpoint um uh, one narrative if you will mm-hmm. and uh and, and 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 notwithstanding the fact that criminal justice uh there are some issues in the system and and all of that uh what I will tell you is its it's dominated by one viewpoint which is to say there's a there's, there's the, the viewpoint that is being promulgated out there is that you know the, the system is racist cops are racist uh, and, well, I I was arrested a few times in my own life uh, while I was innocent. And so I understand the injustice of the system. And I understand the way uh, the system is stacked against you. And once you get in, it's it's nearly impossible for you to actually get back to real life. Mm-hmm. Even after you've done your time. Even after you've done your time. But, but what I will say is, there's also another part of, of this criminal justice thing that says, you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, uh, but I have one brother and two sisters who also grew up in that same family. Yeah. And they didn't use drugs or go to jail. I did. Yeah. So there is a personal responsibility aspect that we're not talking about yeah. uh, or that we're trying. So there is a lot of victimhood that's being, you know, is the propaganda of victimhood and making people feel like they're victims. But well, we have to take some personal responsibility because we're not all victims, you know. And yeah. so, so I would tell you there's two two sides to that point. But here's the other thing I will tell you: with a conversation about criminal justice reform, or let's say prison prison reform for prisoner reform, we cannot have prison reform or prisoner reform without having men and women be transformed by the power of God. In other words, you can send men and women home with a GED, you can send them home with, you know, getting them in contact with job developers and what have you. You can send them home with a bunch of strategies on how they could do better when they go home. But the reality is, that all of that is like a band-aid. Um, you, we don't really change unless we have a heart change.
2: Yeah.
0: Something from within has to change that gives us new heart and a new, uh, new mind and new desires. And so I, I find it interesting that there's a lot of conversation about reform, but we've relegated the one thing or one variable that brings reform through reform. We've kicked it to the curb, and so we so we see a lot of uh, we don't see a lot of success in a lot of these programs because there really hasn't been a real change. Like, you can change people, places, and things, and still fail because you haven't changed.
2: Mm Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, what what I would say is there there needs to be a rethinking of... uh, There's a lot of good that's happening. Let me just say that as well. There's a lot of good in terms of getting people work, in terms of trying to dismantle some of the racist systemic issues and all of that. All all of that is good as, as part of the conversation. But there are certain things that we're not talking about
1: that is that are essential if we want to do something that's meaningful. I gotcha. You. Yeah. You know, every, everything needs work and, you know, like you always, you know, you hear one side of the story, but you don't hear the other side of the story. But there's like, you know, there's, there, you know, there's always, there's always two sides, basically. There's always two sides. You know. Well, you know, some people say. You know, there's your side, there's that side, and, the and truth. Then there's God's side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so, But there's, 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 there's some good work
0: happening. But, for instance, let me just go back. In terms of drug abuse, we got an opioid crisis on our heads. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Pastor Dave Wilkerson, who I sat on there for some, some, some years, way back when, started a program called Teen Challenge.
2: Yeah.
0: And that program right now is recognized internationally right yeah but that program is not just recognized internationally it the success rate is better than any secular program out there for drugs but you won't hear about that why because it's a christian based program mm-hmm. so there's also this this uh like,
1: this a, stig- bias yeah, that, like, a, like a stigma, that stigma yeah, yeah. against
0: church-led programs There's a lot of Christian things that, were being, that have been co-opted uh, by the world and by the government that churches used to do, and now it's being done the world's way. And so we we just kind of pushing people through the doors, just like we're doing in prison. And, uh, you know, we're trying to give people band-aids, but it doesn't work. But uh, I believe God is about to do something really, uh, really tremendous in the opioid crisis and in the jail.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, you know um, I, I had talked about your kids like how does your kids feel being the the son or daughter of a pastor but how does your wife feel if you know I'm saying and I know you can't really speak for her but how do you think she feels about being the pastor's wife
0: you know my wife is a very uh, quiet uh, I, I should say reserved she's she's a very reserved woman and uh She doesn't like the spotlight, Uh, she'd rather sit in the back, Mm
2: -hmm. you
0: know, uh, she doesn't want the pressure of being the pastor's wife, Uh, but she is, at the same time, she's, I believe she's extremely proud of the fact that um, when we first started out, you know, there was really no, there was really no success was not in the card for us,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, our relationship, the fact that she got and that she got pregnant, and her life was going totally the opposite way that she thought. Uh, her dreams were shattered and crushed. But I will, I will tell you that I believe my wife right now feels like uh, she's blessed, and that you know God has allowed her to fulfill a lot of her dreams in a different way. Um, but um, but she's very reserved, and she doesn't like the spotlight. And uh, yeah.
1: Alright, just just a few more questions because I know you gotta go. Um what sins do you struggle with the most? Sins? Yes.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you this. Um, the, the the one sin that I struggle with probably now more than ever is the 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 sin of not believing hmm. what God says. Hmm. So when God God calls me a son.
2: Hmm.
0: He says, I'm in Christ. I have been forgiven. I, I've been adopted into the family of God, but it's been extremely difficult for me to convince myself or to believe that I'm actually loved of God.
2: Hmm.
0: And because I failed to believe that, it obviously there's, there's, there's doubt. There's a lack of faith because I don't believe that all the time. Then, it'll, then other things begin to manifest themselves in my journey, yeah. which include me trying to do things to earn God's love, to impress God, or, yeah. uh, or, or 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 you walk through life sometimes not even liking yourself because you don't believe that you're loved. Yeah. You've never entered into that. So, I mean, we, we hear a lot about, oh, sexual morality, adultery, this, the drugs, whatever. Yeah. Listen unbelief, unbelief, not believing God is like the mother of all sins, Mm. because if we we can get to the place where we can believe what God says and what God did, the devil can't confuse us, Uh, our sins can't overwhelm us and overpower us, because whenever we fail, we know we have a father who loves us, and we know we have an advocate who's praying for us.
1: and Hector my final question for you is what would the Hector of today tell the Hector of yesterday what
0: would the Hector of today tell the Hector of yesterday I would tell the Hector of yesterday uh, to get in the boat with Jesus right away and I would tell the Hector of yesterday that uh, that he needs to settle uh, the love of God for him Life once
2: and for all, so that he can avoid a lot of the
1: other stuff that you have to go through. Yeah, and I would also tell him, God is faithful. God is faithful. You don't have to worry about
0: anything. God is faithful. He he will see you through.
1: Awesome, awesome. Uh, And let me just give you one light question: On what's your favorite Spanish food? (laughs) Oh
0: my goodness! Uh, (laughs) My favorite Spanish food. too many, but, uh, <laughs> I will tell you this, man. My mother does something for me.
1: It's uh, it's a beef en in cebollao. Yeah. Wow.
0: With uh, arroz, uh,
1: what, what we call arroz junto, cool. which is rice and beans together. Yes, uh, it's oh.
0: a yellow. Uh, so she does that for me. That that's probably. Uh, the best uh, food uh, for me if you will if <laughs> uh, but my wife i tell you something else man. my wife is a great cook and she does a lot of different things that are on the list maybe I should put one out there because I'm going to get in trouble with
1: <laughs> I was going to say that I was going to actually who cooks I was going to ask you who cooks better but I'm not even going to tell you that <laughs>
0: My wife man, she's a mean cook man. She she uh she does all kind of stuff man. She does Indian food, she buys Spanish food, she does you know all kind of stuff man. So my wife's got a lot of food, man, that she does for me, and they're just it's hard for me to pick one. You know, uh, that's that's the best, you know.
1: Oh man, um, Hector. So your book, "Arrested by Grace: The True Story of Death and Resurrection from the Streets of New York City," is out there. You can can people get it at Amazon too, right? Is it available on Amazon or Amazon,
2: Barnes and Noble, BAM, uh, or oh, they could just go to East Harlem Books dot But listen,
0: let me just say one more thing. We're actually starting a prison project called "The Arrows of Hope," "The Arrows of Victory." Right in the in the book of Second Kings, chapter thirteen, there's a story where Elisha. Uh, it, begin, it tells, uh, I believe, as a king, tells him that he's to open the window, and he's to stretch the bow and shoot the arrow through the window, and that arrow signifies uh, the arrow of victory. And then he tells him to shoot the arrow on the ground, and and the guy that strikes it through and Elisha gets upset with him and says, "You should have struck it more, because if you had done it more, God would have utterly destroyed the enemy." Right. So, yeah. I believe God is giving us. This book as an arrow uh, that we're going to send into every prison in the United States. There's six thousand one hundred and twenty-five prison, jails, military facilities, state, federal prisons. You name it. There's six thousand one hundred twenty-five. We want to raise um, the funds to send one, at least one book to every chaplain of every prison, so that this can be circulated, kind of like the Gideon do with the uh, Bibles in the hotel. We want to send this book in as an arrow into the enemy's camp, if you will, uh, so that God can use it to bring inspiration and deliverance. And then we want to we want to go in after that, and we, we're going to start praying. But we want to go in there after that and start doing an evangelistic crusade in the prisons throughout the U.S., as we believe revival is going to come. So uh, people can, if they want to give to that, they can go to our website and just give toward the, uh, the prison project. And uh, it's like $10 a book to send that stuff in
2: there. You know, you got to print the book,
1: got to get it mailed. So, you know, it's just uh, that's just the cost of, of doing that, you know, yeah. on an individual basis. So, yeah. Well, so, H- H- for people doing this that. Uh, Hector, man, um, you have an amazing story. I can't wait to d- dive in into it. And it's um, amazing work you're doing for the community and expanding. And um, just be safe out there, brother. And um, I pray everything... Goes well, and um, you keep flourishing and you keep growing. And um, it was a great conversation, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and hopefully, we'll talk again down the road.
0: man brother. Thank you for having me, and uh, may the Lord continue to bless your and uh, have a blessed day, man.
1: Peace. You too. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.